Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. Back to Astropod, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. Welcome into Astropod. I am Jeff Blum and I am joined with Steve Sparks on this Astropod. We've got a great guest coming up in Dusty Baker. Sparky, how have things been going for you, man? You know what? Pretty good. I'm starting to get optimistic that we're getting closer to being able to do what we love and that baseball is going to return hopefully sooner than later, and uh, we'll probably get a little bit of insight from Dusty Baker when we talk to him in a little bit. Yeah, some crazy news coming out, and uh, you know, more that comes out, it more sounds like everybody is talking on both sides, even though it may be negative, at least it is the conversation and hopefully moving in the right way. And one thing that I do enjoy and thoroughly miss about this game is Dusty Baker. The man has spent so much time in the game as a player and as a manager, and there's so much knowledge and storytelling within him. What do you look forward to most when you get a chance to sit down and talk to Dusty, Sparky? You know what? It's almost just the little things that he, I almost feel like he can teach us a lot of things just from his experience. And that was one thing that uh, he has talked about probably even in his uh, interview session when he came on with, with the Astros talking about how much he has experienced. And you may get a little bit older. I think he turned 71 in June, but uh, you can't, you can't make up for, for what he's experienced as a manager with San Francisco, Chicago, Cincinnati and the nationals. And he's been a winner everywhere he's been. So he's got the street cred. Uh, I think he's the perfect man for the, for this job uh, with the Astros right now. And I think a lot of these players are going to look back at this time that they get to spend with Dusty Baker and realize that he's really made an impact on their lives. I completely agree. In the limited time that we have had with Dusty Baker, he's had an impact on us. And this is just another opportunity for us to have a conversation with Dusty Baker, get to know him a little bit more, hear some of that knowledge, and hear what he feels about is going to happen this season. So without further ado, we're going to get right into it with Dusty Baker right now. I didn't know much about Zoom calls before uh, you know, this work stoppage, but I, I know about <laughs> Zoom calls now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just yeah. been trying to help out some friends that are in the broadcast, uh, you know, industry. And I'm sure they're all looking for, for some programming and, uh, you know, try to help them out when I can. I remember having a conversation years ago with uh, Sadahata O when I was a player with the Dodgers. And I asked him, I said, man, you know, when were you satisfied or when, you know, did you look back on your career? And he said, not until it was over. And so, you know, mine's not over yet, still in the progress. Uh, um, I didn't have any idea there was going to be a, this final sequel here uh, at the end. But, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it and uh, I'm anxious to get 
you know, back to work uh, as long as things are, are safe and healthy for, for the fans, for my, my team, myself, my coaches, and, uh, and hopefully this will all subside very quickly. I hope it does too. How have you been handling the entire, other than being on all these Zoom calls and handling all of the uh, obligations of being as popular as you are, how is your family handling this and how are you handling the quarantine times we're in right now? Well, you know, my family's handling pretty, you know, pretty well. I've never spent this much time in the house. And I remember one of my friends had told me years ago that if he wanted to uh, torture me, he'd make me stay home for a while. And uh, so it hadn't been, (laughs) you know, you know, it hadn't been too bad. Uh, It's actually been pretty good. Uh, You know, you got to make the best of a bad situation. I spent a lot of time with my son, which I hadn't spent because, you know, he's a college student and how often do you see him and for how long? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's been a, that's been a, a, a real joy spending time with him. You know, we've fished a couple of times, but we work out every day. I got a nice weight room. You know, I got a batting cage that mm-hmm. I invested, a, a, a iron mic, uh, about iron mic 13 years ago. And, uh, first it was like, uh, it, it was just, you know, through too hard for him. But the last few years, it's been perfect. We go out there in the evenings and, uh, you know, also I'm in the wine business and then the in the um, uh, uh, alternative energy business. So I'm doing that, you know, from home uh, uh, where I'm texting my players uh, probably once every couple of weeks just to check on them and see how their state of mind is and, uh, you know, their mental outlook. And, and, and their spirit, because, uh, you, you know, that's what you worry about. You know, you, you, you know, you worry about you don't want their pilot light to go out, and, you know, in their spirit. So, uh, so I'm hoping that, uh, like I said, I'm hoping that we come up with some conclusion here pretty soon and then uh, we get back to work. Dusty, you have to you have to motivate these guys to some extent, even right now, because it's going to be imperative in a shortened season for you guys to, to get off to a good start, you know, 162 games, maybe not as much, but mm-hmm. uh, you'd like to, but if you played about half of those, man, you, you really need to get off to a good start, don't you? Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, like I explained to somebody the other day that ordinarily during the season, you know, it's a, it's a marathon. You, you're always t- telling each other, Oh, it's a marathon. We got a long way to go. Well, this is, yeah, this is, I mean, this is a sprint, you know what I mean? And, uh, you don't have time for, to get off to a, a, a poor start because you don't have time to rebound. Uh, you also got to stay out of extended losing streaks. You know, you got to play good, consistent baseball and you got to get to the dance and hopefully, you know, peak, you know, at the right time. And these guys, they know how to peak and these guys, they know how to win. They know how to play. And, uh, uh, you know, but it is, it's, it's different. And, uh, you know, in 1981, when we won the uh, World Series, you know, I think we played, the first 50 or so games, we lost 50, and then we, you know, we played the last 50 some games at the end, and uh, mm-hmm. you know that's what started the, you know, the NLDS and CS, uh, you know, was that year. I think uh, Cincinnati Reds had the best overall record. The Houston Astros. Uh, let me see. We won the first half with the Dodgers. Astros won the second half, and then we played each other, you know, to, uh, you know, to go to the playoffs. So. Uh, and Cincinnati know, sat at home. And Cincinnati <laughs> sat at home. So hopefully, you know, this year repeats itself uh, from, well, I don't know, from 1981. And, uh, you know, we have every intention on being the world champions at the end of this shortened season. Are there any adjustments you feel like you're going to need to make to, to make sure that uh, you stay away from injuries without a full spring training? Well, 
you know, you don't really know because this is kind of uncharted territories, yeah. but, you know, you want to stay away from soft tissue injuries, especially, you know, you don't have okay. time for hammies or, or, you know, calf pulls because, I mean, you figure if you lose, say, 12 games, well, heck, you've lost one eighth of the season or, and, and every time you lose something, you're losing a, a, a you know, a larger ratio, you know, of the season. So, uh, you're hoping that the guys, you know, come in, you know, relatively ready. You know, there's always, I mean, there are some guys that are hard workers, some guys that are fair workers, and some guys that don't, you know, work at all. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, you hope that, you know, everybody's on honor system because, you know, if you ask guys, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm working out, doing this and that. And, 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 and I think these guys, you know, know what's at stake. But as of right now, I think the guys are in a mindset where they kind of, you know, need to know. You know, because, you know, you can practice and practice and practice, but after a while you're ready, you know, in order to put this practice, to, you know, to, you know, to games, uh, uh, you know, and, and gamesmanship. And so mm-hmm. uh, soon here, uh, I think in the next week to 10 days, uh, you know, we'll have a heck of an idea, you know, what's going on. And, and, and it, this is the first time in a long time there hadn't been a deadline. And so, you know, we talked about this, you know, before, uh, you know, earlier in the show that, hey, man, it's, it's tough without a deadline. You know, yeah. if, if both sides have a deadline, then you can say, okay, this is the deadline. We got to have it done by this time or that time. But, you know, this time, uh, first time, like I said, a long time ahead of the deadline. How often are you on the phone talking with uh, your pitching coach, Brent Strom? Because for me personally, I feel like the starting pitching mm-hmm. is probably the one thing you're going to have to keep an eye on mostly. Have you been talking to Brent Strom? Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk weekly. You know, we have uh, our, our, our coaches uh, uh, talk. Oh, well, we actually talk like every Wednesday and Thursday with the coaches and with, uh, you know, with James Click. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, our, our, our trainers are, are great. Uh, you know, I mean, Jeremiah gives us yeah. reports every day. Uh, uh, and, you know, the one thing that's really pleasant to see is, uh, well, a couple things is, is, is Justin Verlander's progress. Uh, cause I was trying to figure out, man, what life is going to be without Justin. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of quality innings. Oh yeah. Especially and wins. And, uh, you know, we lost the other big horse, but, you know, we gained Lance McCullers back. And, and Lance mm-hmm. is probably, uh, you know, ahead of everybody else because it's been a year plus since he's pitched. And, you know, I mean, he's chomping at the bit. Uh, you know, he's probably the most ready, uh, you know, right now. Uh, and so, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, those big horses in the front, you know, can can carry a lot of the load until a lot. Of, and, and also a lot of it's going to rely on your bullpen because the guys aren't going to be ready to go six, seven innings and in like three starts, you know what I mean? Or or, mm-hmm. or a couple starts. And so, you know, that's why they're going to that's why they're talking about having expanded uh, rosters, you know, hopefully more pitchers uh, and just have an expanded roster and more pitchers, uh, you know, doesn't mean, uh, you know, a whole lot unless unless they're of quality. And, and what you want, yeah. you want you, you want quality guys so that you don't have to depend and lean on the same guys, you know, uh, a whole bunch in the beginning or else, you're, you you know, they end up getting hurt. Then you're leaning on the guys that you're trying to stay away from. So hopefully, you know, uh, you know, we'll have games where we can show, um, uh, you know, enough confidence 
and whoever your second line guys are uh, in case they become your front line guys. And, and if you show confidence in them and then they, they show maturity and they show, uh, you know, progress, uh, you know, in their, in their mental and, and physical skills where, where you're not uh, apprehensive to put them in in any, you know, given time. All right, Dusty, I'm going to break it up a little bit. A lot of baseball talk there. We greatly appreciate that. But we've got fans writing in some questions, and Kimmy mm-hmm. G has a pretty good question. How Kimmy many? G. Tooth- Kimmy, Kimmy G. G. Close. Yeah, <laughs> not the saxophonist. <laughs> okay, go ahead, man. Yeah, I know you know your tunes, but this yeah. is from Ki- Kimmy G. Oh, How many it. toothpicks do you go through in a season, and is there a special kind? Uh, I don't know how many I go through. A lot of it depends on the games. A lot of it depends on how many times bases loaded or pro and con against us. But I don't know. Uh, they are special toothpicks. They're tea tree oil toothpicks that I get from 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 Whole Foods. And, uh, you know, I, I do more orthodontic work, uh, uh, you know, with them. And, uh, you know, they they help, uh, you know, uh, you know, alleviate whatever gum disease that you may trying to, you know, uh, develop and, hey, man, I want to keep my teeth as I get older. And so uh, <laughs> uh, I don't really know. They come in a box. I think there's 20. Uh, there's, I, actually, I got some right here. Uh, there you go. Yeah. It doesn't say how many's in it, but these are the, uh, these are the uh, cinnamon uh, tea tree oil. Wow. Tea. So those are yeah. special, special. Who tea. knew? I thought it was just because you wanted to look cool out there. Nah, man. <laughs> they well, actually serve a purpose. Cool, That's great. They serve a purpose to the same. <laughs> That's outstanding. We got one more question before I throw it back to Sparky, and it's from Alex. And I like these questions. Who is the pitcher you most hated to face when you were playing? Uh, two of them. Bob Gibson. Ooh, man, J- good one. And J.R. Richard. Oh, yeah. even better one. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's my buddy now, but he was my buddy then. He just got me out a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> How you know what he do? was that slider? He, yeah, you know what he'd do? And he threw hard, and he, and he, and he was just gaining his control when he, had a strike, when he had a strike. But see, what JR used to do, he'd strike me out three times and then come around the back of the Astrodome and then, and then, and then, and then pick me up. You know, so we could go have a drink. Want to go out for dinner? Uh, yeah. Christ. And I didn't want to go oh, out with him because I was still mad about the game. And he'd honk <laughs> the horn and act like I didn't hear him or see him. He was ready to go. Yeah. He's like, come on, man, get in the car. And I was like, I don't want to go get in the car. He goes, man, the game's over with. I said, it's over for you. It wasn't over for me. <laughs> I was carrying those three strikeouts back to my room, but I'd get in the car anyway. So. <laughs> Hey, Dusty, let's talk about some of the precautions that you, you personally are going to have to take. Um, you know, we, we think about, and your name's been brought up, you know, mm-hmm. and Brent Strom's name's been brought up, but yep. you had a, a little, you know, history where you're more at risk than maybe some others. What are you thinking precaution-wise that you need to do uh, when you guys get back out there? Well, yeah, you know, I'm going to keep doing much of what I'm doing now. You know, you got to do uh-huh. some social distancing. I got, I got all kind of masks. You know, I got masks. You think I'm getting ready for World War Three or something? That some of the masks. So we can't that see I the have. toothpick. We can't see no, the toothpick with the no, mask. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to figure that out. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, I even arranged for some. You know, for the team to, you know, to have some special Houston Astros mask. But, um, you know, uh, that's why I like them working out. You know, try to get in the in the in the best shape that I can. You know, that I can be in. Uh, you know, I got everything. 
you know, lined up. Uh, uh, you know, I sleep with the sleep apnea mask. It's, you know, since my stroke, I, I, I sleep apnea, and uh, 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 you know, I got my I got my meds lined up and drinking a lot of water, and uh, just just you know, I got a warning where where a lot of people don't get warnings. You know, I, I had prostate cancer 19 years ago. I had a mild stroke seven years ago. So like I got, uh, yeah, I've had a couple warnings and I just know that, that the Lord wouldn't bring me back uh, to take me out like this, you know? And uh, so like I, I feel, uh, I have a, a feeling in my, in my heart and soul that, you know, like I had a special calling to come back, uh, you know, mm-hmm. to the situation. So uh, I'm stronger than most, I'm in better shape than most. And, uh, you know, our staff is, is is older staff, and I think we got some of the best training guys, you know, uh, you know, in the world, uh, you know, that are, that are conscious, and our players are conscious about it. You know, I've talked to a number of the players. They're like, "Hey, man, we got to take care of you." Rami's the same age as me. Chris Pryor's the same age as me. Uh, you know, Gary Pettis is a young guy. I think at 62, 63. and so mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, we have some guys that are that are older, but guys that are in, in, in better shape than most. When you talk about your special calling, Dusty, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting to me to, to hear you talk about, you, you know, what's missing in, in your career has been unbelievable. And I think, uh, I think just about 99.5% of the people out there w- would trade you exactly what you've done as a player and as a manager, but what's missing? Well, the thing that I've told people that I've, that I've really missed is, is, is a championship which is which is uh, part of the special calling to you know to come back, and also yeah. uh, you know the love of 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 of, of grandparents because they both died before I, on both sides they died before you know I could get to know them, uh, and so uh, uh, January fifteenth of this year, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, I, I I became a grandparent for the first time uh, you know with a grandson. And so, uh, you know, even as, as, as things have been a little tough this year, uh, you know, this has been a special year. It's been a special year, you know, for me, my family, uh, you know, my son's home, you know, here with me. Hopefully, uh, you know, he'll get drafted in the first five rounds because they only have five rounds, uh, you know, June the 10th. So, like I said, the, the, there's always a, a, a positive you know, that came out of, you know, that that can come out of a negative. And, uh, you yeah. know, the one thing I didn't want to do, I didn't really want to manage or coach. And I felt that that was a calling that that, that that happened because Al Campana said some things. And then Al Rosen, who used to be the Houston uh, Astros general manager, you know, and mm-hmm. was a general manager of the, of the Giants, you know, like he come calling me. And I said, hey, man, I don't want to. You know, I don't really want to coach. I was getting divorced. And he goes, no, why don't you come, you know, you know, give it a try. I think you'd be a fine, you know, field manager uh, someday. And uh, I said, said, well, okay, we'll see. I give myself five years from the time that I was hired as a coach to to be the manager. And almost five years, you know, to the day uh, I was I was hired with the Giants. Now, the one thing he was right about, which I didn't think that he was going to be right. He told me, he said, uh, hey, man, uh, he called me Buddy Boy. And he used to, he used to sure. make me mad when he called me Buddy Boy. He's like, <laughs> like, like, man, that's, you sound like my dad. So he's like, hey, Buddy Boy, he goes, you know, managers are, 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 are hired to be fired. So I was wow. like, 
I was like, that ain't going to happen to me, man. You talking to somebody else. Well, guess what? It's happened to me, too. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that, that's part of it, I guess. And speaking of managing, you've spent uh, your entire managerial career in the, in the National League, and now you're moving over to the American League where the DH is going to be involved. Have you, is that that big of a difference for you and your manager, managing uh, style to adjust to having the DH in the lineup? Well, you know, so that's a good question. I mean, you know, during interleague play, we always had that. And so this isn't, isn't my first time, uh, but uh, it, it is a little different, you know, not making double moves. I mean, double switches and, you know, yeah. you're not worried about where the pitcher, you know, is going to be in the game. But um, when I uh, was let go by Cincinnati Reds prior to Washington, I tried to go to the uh, Seattle Mariners. Because uh, that's where I really wanted to, you know, to end my career in the American League. And uh, and I really wanted to end it in Seattle, you know, because I, I love the Northwest. I spent a lot of time in, in Seattle, a lot of time in Vancouver and Kelowna up in, uh, up in uh, British Columbia. And I could go fishing every day after practice, you know what I mean? And win. Yep. So that would be like a perfect <laughs> life, you know what I mean? But uh, it didn't happen. You know, because a lot of times, uh, I mean, my life, uh, you know, I plan everything. It's just sometimes my plan and the Lord's plan have different timings on things. And so, you know, here I am now in the American League, at, you know, at the end of my career anyway. And uh, this is how I wanted to, this is how I wanted to spend it. And we know that you want to make history in that Astro uniform. You already talked about uh, hopefully an opportunity to go to the World Series, get in the playoffs is the first first thing, but then hopefully getting to a World Series and getting you that championship you so yeah. wanted. We but will. You've, I love the way you talk about it. Mm-hmm. And you've seen a lot of historic things in the game, but it started early in your career when you were on deck when Hank Aaron hit that home run, number 715, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and see, I didn't want to go to the Braves. I prayed the night before. The draft, I said, Lord, if, if so whatever you do, don't let me get drafted by the Atlanta Braves because I didn't want to go to the South. And that's, the South, it, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, things were in a tumultuous way in our country. Vietnam, uh, you know, the riots or freedom marches and stuff. But that was the best thing that happened to me. And Hank Aaron promised my mother that he would take care, take care of me as if I was his son. Yeah, he made awesome. me go to yeah. He made me go to church. He made me uh, don't hang out late at night, and he made me get up and eat breakfast. And I was like, man, you're not my daddy. And he says, yes, I am. Your mama t- told me to take care of you. And so I guess it was only fitting and appropriate that that I was on deck. Uh, you know, you know, hitting behind Hank. I mean, it wasn't much protection, but I was doing the best I could. And and uh, that was a very historic moment. As a matter of fact, he called me yesterday. You know, like. Uh, you know, he's one of my partners in our wine company. Uh, he joined us this winter and uh, wow. we're going to. Yeah. And so, you know, he wanted a Hank Aaron bowl cap. And so it, it will will uh, bottle it hopefully uh, this summer, which I hope to not be around. It's called the Hank Aaron 755. And, uh, you know, he's not only my mentor, but my advisor, my friend. And, uh, you know, he was like my dad. So I, I, I was very, very fortunate. Like I said, that was the best thing that happened to me was to the South and, and hanging with Hank Aaron and getting to meet some of the civic leaders of our of our time. Like, like imagine here I was 19, 20 years old going over to the Capitol and seeing Jimmy Carter and, and, wow. and, and uh, uh, you know, Ted Abernathy, uh, who else? Um, 
uh, Maynard Jackson and Andrew Young. And so, like I said, I was just a little kid, you know, hanging around, you know, Hank Aaron. And I was, I was probably the most fortunate, you know, young man in the country. Yeah, so you think hanging, hanging around with uh, Hank helped prepare you to, to manage guys like Barry Bonds or Bryce Harper, Sammy yep. Soa, Sosa, Ken Griffey, Joey Votto. I mean, you, you've managed some studs. Yes, I have. And I tell you, I, I've managed some. Uh, yeah, it helped me out a lot. I mean, and, and also to play with some great players. You know what I mean? On yeah. on how to be and how not to be. I mean, I played I played with some great players, Ron Say, and, and, and the second best player of all time that I played with was Reggie Smith. Reggie. You know, Steve Garvey. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. You know, Davey Lopes. And, uh, you know, I've had some uh, – I've been around some – ooh, boy, I've been around some great, great players. I mean, not only on my team, yeah. but uh, but on other teams. And, uh, you know, to be in Dodgers – I mean, you know, to be with the Dodgers and and, and, and spring training talking to, you know, Sandy Koufax – on a, on a, on a regular basis, you know, not name dropping, but I was so fortunate to be getting to meet Willie Mays and Roberto Clemente at a young age. I mean, imagine a young guy watching a lot of these guys on TV, and there I was a year or two later, you know, with them. And Hank used to tell me sometimes, you know, quit gawking at him, just go over and talk to him, because there I was, <laughs> you know, gawking at him. And then this spring, when we went to Lakeland. Um, you know, uh, Al Kaline and, and, and Willie Horton came over, you know, to see us. And then, you know, I got, you know, Mr. Kaline to sign some balls for some of my players, Altuve and yeah. Brinkman and these guys. And then, you know, a few months later, you know, he passed mm-hmm. on. And so I just feel like fortunate enough to, you know, to pass the love from these guys down to the guys that I have, you know, on my team now. Hey, Dusty, you did something. You almost did something that Al Kaline did, uh, leading the league and hitting. I think you were third in 1972. Yeah, I was uh, trying to. I, I, I was yeah, trying because Al Kaline was one of my guys when I grew up. And I was like, man, I want to do yeah. that, you know, like Al. But, uh, yeah, I finished third. My roommate, who also helped me deal with, with, with in the South, and he lives in Houston. I spent a lot of time in Houston with Ralph Gar, Mr. Ralph Gar. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Ralph ended up second in the league. Billy Williams won it. And then a player that I think is unheralded and underrated uh, finished fourth right behind me, uh, Cesar Cedeno. I mean, man, boy, he was some player. So the Astros, yeah. I mean, the Astros had some heck of a players. You know, Jimmy Wynn, the Toy Cannon, and Bob Watson. Yeah. And, I mean, all these guys just passed. Jose Taylor Cruz, Joe Morgan, Enos Cabell. I mean, Terry Poole. I mean, they had some heck of a players. Art Howe, who I talked to a week ago to see if he was in good health because I heard that he yeah. had the coronavirus. And so... You know, a ton of history with the, you know, with the Astros. Do you think anybody could hit 400 in a shortened season? Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, type, of, what type of hitter? You got you to take your walks, don't you? Not only your walks, you have to have a lot of non-at-bats. You know, you got to have sacrifice flies. Uh, you got to yeah. have some walks. Uh, you know, you got to be more of a singles, doubles, line drive hitter. Uh, you can't have a whole bunch of strikeouts. Uh, you know, even though you can hit some home runs, you just can't have a whole bunch of strikeouts. Right? It's harder with these shifts. Yeah. Well, if you're a good hitter and if you got back control, they're not going to shift yeah. on you. And then, yeah. like I tell my son, yeah, I mean, you want to spread the field out. Yeah. You know, you don't want them to know where you're going to hit the ball, you know, and then it's going to be a guy that, that, that you can't shift. A guy that can hit a ball up the middle or hit, hit it in a Tony Gwynn hole or hit one in the, 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 that hole between first and second. Uh, you know, you're going to have to like uh, spray and use the whole field. And 
you know, preferably a guy that can run some, you know, and a guy that can bunt every once in a while. It's going to be a kind of a yeah. full-fledged player. And I tell you, if the guy gets off to a good start, a great start, I mean, you look at a guy like Altuve, Altuve could possibly do it. Oh, yeah. You know, he, yeah. Because he gets a lot of infield hits, you know, and you don't know yep. where he's going to hit the ball. And uh, that's the thing that I was probably most impressed with in spring training was it what, what you know was to watch Altuve spray the ball all over to watch Springer to spray you know watch Michael Brantley, you know to watch yeah. Guriel you know to watch these guys that you know that use the whole you know the entire field and uh, you know Bregman it's, I mean to see the power that he generates I mean I was I was impressed uh, you know with the players that we have on this team. It's a very good team, and I know you're excited about getting out there and working with the guys and getting this season hopefully started. We greatly, greatly appreciate you as a human and as the manager of the Astros, and hopefully we can see you soon. Thank you so much for coming on, Dusty. Well, you're welcome, and I, I, I welcome the opportunity, you know, you know, to be in Houston and, uh, and, and to manage these guys and to be around them every day. Hey, man, you see my shirt I got on? I, no, I noticed that. You've got the Cal Bear jersey on. That is fantastic, man. I love it. Represent. <laughs> I know, but I didn't wear that to you. I just I just picked it out of t- today, and I was like, dang, man. Blood. It's yeah, meant so to be. <laughs> yeah, you're stay right, man. Stay when, when the season starts. All right. All right, man. I'll see you guys later. Good stuff with Dusty. Always, always good having you on, Sparky. I think he also gets entertained by the fact that he has two ex-ball players being able to ask him some of those questions. And uh, some of the fans do get involved. But, uh, you know, do you feel that much better about Dusty moving forward this season? I do. And every time you and I talk to him, Blummer, uh, I always notice one thing that he always says, we're going to win. We're going to win it. Yeah. All. We're going to be in the world. Say, you know, he never wavers from uh, his confidence with his team. And I think it was uh, fortified during spring training when he got a chance to put his eyes on a lot of his players, having conversations with them, getting to know the coaching staff. But uh, I think now going back, stepping away from it for a little bit and ready to go forward with uh, what he thinks is his, uh, a great opportunity to win another World Series. I completely agree. You talked about dealing with the DH and talking with Brent Strom about how to handle the pitchers in this abbreviated season yeah. that we're hopefully going to have. What, what do you think uh, the percentages are uh, of us uh, not seeing pitchers hit anymore? Uh, do you think we saw the, the last of pitchers hitting last season? Because I think yeah. That yeah. there's probably going to be an experiment this year where it's going to be DH in both leagues, and they may just leave it like that, don't you think? No, I completely agree. I mean, that's something that's been tossed around, you know, is, you know, seven or eight years ago when the Astros moved to the American League. They said, well, if the Astros are going to do it, why can't they just have everybody league-wide do it and make it one uniform, uh, uh-huh. you know, league-wide thing? And I think it plays into what Dusty even talked about is, you know, he, even though he was in the National League, he has experience managing in American League ballparks where they use the designated hitters. So, it's already been kind of, you know, infiltrating the National League. And now that we have so much interleague and it feels like a split season between American League and National League, why not just make it all just one uniform piece? And that, I mean, I, I think it will be interesting for players because I think it opens up, you know, 15 more positions on National League teams for players. And I think the union feels that that is a good thing. And, and it's not just any position it's a high paying position if you get the right yeah, guy right so i i listened to a uh, a podcast that uh, dusty was on with uh, jason stark the national uh sports writer he did it along with doug glanville and a couple of things that uh they were talking about it, uh 
was the spitting, uh, you know, in, in the high fives and things like that, that, uh, uh, that people are probably, and it's not just going to be baseball. And, and I was going to ask you, do you think handshakes are, are going to be a thing of the past where, where people are a little more leery of just shaking hands now? You know what? It's interesting because we don't know how ballplayers are going to handle it. And everything we see with the Astros is these incredibly well-produced and organized, yes, celebrations. And they they jump out of the dugout. They're going to have to temper that a little bit, I would imagine. But they're probably going to be equally as creative on how to get away with celebrating without actually making hand-to-hand contact or, right. you know, the, 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 the hugs for homers, you know, poor Tony Kemp out there isn't going to be able to do that. They you can might do it be, six feet away and make it creative, right? That's what I'm saying. You're going to have to be a little more creative yeah. and inventive with what you're doing out there. But then you and I, and I'm sure a lot of fans too, watched uh, some of the golf, the match that we saw the other day. And, you know, those guys couldn't resist the temptation of after a great shot to put their fist out or put right. their hand out. I see that oh, in the really? Korean league too. Yeah. It's introduced, you know, and it's something that you need to think about, but when somebody hits a home run, they're still doing the high fives in the dugout. And it's wow. just, it's so ingrained that they can't help themselves. Uh, yep. Another thing that Dusty was talking about was being creative with the mask. And I can see that being a big deal, especially for the players on the bench. Have you seen the commercials with mattress Mac with gallery furniture He's got a mask where it, it pretty much just looks like his face. It's kind of like the nose and the mouth <laughs> is, is part of the mask where it looks like it's almost normal. Yeah, that would be interesting. What if I had a sparky face mask on my face? Would that throw anybody <laughs> off? You, you want to upgrade. You don't want to downgrade. I actually have issues growing facial hair, so I wonder if there's a Dallas Keuchel mask or a uh, no, Evan Gaddis mask go. that I could borrow and just all of a sudden have a beard. That would be a great thing. Yeah. Uh, one thing uh, that I know Dusty's talked about uh, with this team specifically with, with what went on with the scandal in the offseason was how they needed to, to flush their guilt. You know, they needed to get over whatever guilt there is and move on. So uh, they said they're sorry. Uh, uh, and he said what we have to do is we have to prove them wrong by winning. Yep. You know, and, and if, if, if they're going to do – uh, anything about what, what's transpired in the past. And he said a lot of people have done a lot of talking and there's not anybody uh, that's beyond reproach, but a lot of people have talked so it's for the Astros to be able to flush that guilt. He, he thinks that there needs to be that motivation to go out there and win it all. So nobody can say a, a single thing about them anymore. You know what? Just even to go back to last year and try and build off that a little bit, I feel like they were eight outs away from from proving to everybody that they were worthy of winning a world championship without all that other junk that has been following them around. So, mm-hmm. and I also I also think it's genius on Dusty Baker's part to figure out a way to use that as motivation for these guys. He knows these guys are yeah. already motivated to be the great in the game that itself, but they also. He also, you know, knows how to manipulate the attitude to get the best out of these guys. And there's no better way to have 25 or 30 of the best guys in your organization mad and go out there with something to prove. I think it's a great idea. Can you imagine uh, finding a better manager at this point in time? No, I really can't. And you know what? In talking to Dusty, I get frustrated sometimes because of this whole quarantine thing, because I want to be near this guy. This is a guy that I watched growing up in the Southern California area. You know, his career and some of the names he rattled off, those were guys who inspired me to go out and play the game of baseball as best I could. And now we have the chance in spring training to get near him, interview him a couple times. I was so looking forward to a a full-length season of being able to just listen to Dusty Baker's stories, because here in a half an hour, 
I mean, he is a walking baseball encyclopedia. He's incredible. Yeah, and he's, a, he's in great health. He's in great shape. Oh. Uh, he talks about every time he loses a job, he starts a new business. I mean, who does that? He's full of energy. You know, I think I think if you keep your ears open, I mean, not only us, but it, I mean, his players and fellow coaches are got a chance to, to learn from one of the best. Sparky, I've got a question from one of the fans out there. It okay. is Farley. Mentally, as I read this question, think about who I'm going to counter with, because I think we think Did the same guy. Did you say Farley? Yeah, Chris. I, I can't see too well. Is that Bill Shakespeare? Remember, remember that time <laughs> he threw that knuckleball? That was awesome. So, which off-the-radar pitcher do you think will be the biggest surprise contributor this season for the Astros? Off-the-radar? Go ahead. You name yours. I know who you're going to say. Mine would have to be Brian Abreu. Yeah, it was either him or Jose or Key for me, but I'll take a break just because, you know, he was a guy in watching video. He looked, you know, slender. He looked like he threw hard. He had a really good delivery. And then we got him up yeah. in the big leagues and all of a sudden the ball absolutely jumped out of his hands and, or out of his hand. And then we started to talk to some of the other guys and they said, wait till he does this. And Brent Strom was raving about uh, his ability on the mound. And then we saw some of the composure and him work out of some jams. We saw the strikeout stuff. And then I saw him in spring training this season. That dude is massive. His yeah, shoulders are wide. He's got the lower half. So I, I expect big things out of Brian Abreu this season. I think he could be that guy that surprises a lot of us, especially in the short season. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's a couple of others. Kristen Javier is one. He was their minor league pitcher of the year last year. And I think they're going to have a lot of guys on call. And why wouldn't you, you know, you know this point. is a sprint. This is not a marathon now. So you can, you can keep 10 guys in the fold. And I would keep some hard throwers. And one of them is, I believe, their 10th best prospect. And that's Jairo Solis, who, who throws about a billion. And uh, he's just one of those guys where I think, you know what? Yeah, that is hard. Billions, you know, almost a record. But uh, <laughs> I, I would keep guys like that. I, w- I really would. Some A-ball guys that just can air it out and give them a taste. You know, uh, uh, this is it. This is the time. You know, I don't want Jairo Solis and Christian Javier to set out a year and a half of baseball. You know, if the minor league seasons are canceled, that's good point. You know, I, I want those guys on, uh, on the ready, you know, and throw them out there and, and let stuff play. You know, we've heard that a lot. Stuff plays at the big league level and, and talent plays. So, I want to see some of these hard throwers come in there for inning at a time and see if they can throw strikes. Yeah, and if you can throw velocity for strikes and they're the unknown, I mean, that could be a real wild card for Dusty and Brent Strom to be able to bring these guys in yeah. in some interesting situations and see what you can get out of them. Because if your starters are yeah. only going four or five innings and you've got a decent lead, why not fire them out there in the sixth sixth inning and yeah. let them just let it eat and see if they can figure it out? I always go back to K-Rod with the Angels in 2002 and what a difference maker he was against Dusty. Oh, my gosh. Maker in the San Francisco Giants, you know, and all through the playoffs. But he came up in September and kind of set the world on fire. But then, I mean, the playoffs hit. It was almost a man among boys. He was making some of the best – hitters in the world look like children I and mean, that's how good his stuff played so and then you remember how you, when you're young you know at the beginning if things start to go well and your confidence begins to 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 rise and there's no stopping somebody for you know little bursts little short periods of time and i think that's what we're looking at this year
No, I completely agree with you. A fan asked us if I ever faced you, and I never got a chance to face Steve Sparks, but we did go to spring training in 2005. Yeah, I never faced you. You were in the American League, I think, when I first got in, and then I believe it was my first year with the San Diego Padres in 2005 that you were in spring training with them, too, if I remember correctly. That's right. Yeah, we were in spring training together uh, out in Peoria. Peoria was a great team, and getting to know Bruce Bochy and what he was all about and yeah, that's a surefire Hall of Fame manager you got to play for there. I didn't make the team. I ended up going down to uh, uh, AAA for a little bit. I did actually, though, uh, shared a pot with Jake Peavy in the NCAA pool at the end of spring training, and I was already in Portland in AAA uh, when the championship game was played. And we mm-hmm. split $6,000. I was going to say, I remember that one being massive. It was massive. It, it got down to the end, and, and he and I split it, and we won it, and he sent me uh, a wad of $100 bills around a rubber band in a white envelope down to Portland, and that's how I got my 3000 bucks. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's unbelievable. No, what a redneck. What a redneck. Jake Peavy, for sure. No doubt, hands down, one of, the, <laughs> one, of the, one of the good old boys. I mean, he, he was cut out of that Roy Oswalt uh, mold. Good old boy that could bring it. Heard you talking to Dusty about the 400 hitter. I, I completely agree with both of you in the sense that this Might offers – it, dude, it open, completely opens it up for the opportunity to go out there and do that. I'm with you 100%. Uh, you know, I think when you said walks, I immediately thought of a guy like Joey Vaughn who can manipulate the baseball pretty good and takes a lot of walks. Uh, Altuve's yeah. on the other end. He's just swinging crazy. And if he, you know as well as I do, he can catch fire. Hit. It's the infield hit. Infield yeah, hit the speed guy. I think Jose Altuve is the first guy, and I'm not saying this because we're broadcasters for the Astros. He's the first guy I think of who could do it in a three-month season. Let me let me ask you something else because I think it's kind of interesting. A guy that I've uh, pretty much in the Astros organization that I've pretty much pinned the MVP award on every single year waiting for it to happen is a guy who averages mm-hmm. probably playing 98 games a year is Carlos Correa. I mean, this whole model mm-hmm. of being a quick, short season sets up great for a guy like Carlos who did a lot of talking in spring training and is extremely healthy. And when he's on, he's one of the best players in the league. What do you think about him this season? Yeah, I mean, that's that's always the thing with, with, with Carlos is just the health, you know. And if you can keep him out there for 90% of the games, then you're talking about one of the best players in baseball. There's, that's not an exaggeration. So uh, that's the knock, you know, and that was the, that was the hurdle he was going to try to, you know, overcome. It, it, the first couple of years they were saying that about – Springer until I think the third year he ended up playing every single game of the season. So it's kind of a mindset. And I think part of Carlos's injuries are fluky, wouldn't you say? Yeah, no, completely. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that. So, I mean, there's, there's no reason and we understand that uh, it's not just on one side of the, the, the field because defensively he makes the Astros a, a way, way better team. But uh, I think he's the captain out there. When you watch uh, the games like you and I do, Jeff, we notice right away that Correa is taking charge in the infield. And I think he makes yep. Bregman to his right better. I think he makes Altuve to his left better because he keeps them more into the game. I also think that having, you know, they have athletes all over the infield, and Joe Espada, the bench coach for the Houston Astros, is really going to do his best 
And I think Dusty even said as much that he's going to kind of give Joe the reins as far as shifting on the infield. But you've got four yeah. athletes in the infield like the Astros do, and you're able to move them around. Mm-hmm. I think it makes all of them w- ten times better than they actually, you know, than they do present themselves and puts them in great positions to be able to make great plays. And you really notice it, and you know this from pitching. When you start to hear pitchers talk about how good these guys are on defense, it, tell, it gives you a really good idea of how comfortable yeah. pitchers are on the mound having them behind them. Hey, the last three World Series uh, winners, I believe, won because of their defense. I think the Astros won in 2017 because of their defense. I think the Red Sox did the following year, and I honestly think that the Nationals won because of their defense uh, last year. All the way throughout the playoffs, you, you see so many plays made, relays, whatever it is, and it carries over to the offense. So those are the, the motivation uh, turnaround uh, type of plays, but the execution of, of throwing the ball exactly where you have to uh, at certain times and, and being, being really good fundamentally, I mean, certainly plays well in the playoffs. I was going to mention something to you real quick. Uh, uh, before we had the interview with Dusty just now, I, I was talking to him for just a little bit, and he said he just got off an hour and a half long uh, conversation with uh, the front office, uh, the GM, the, the people uh, that uh, come come up with uh, a lot of the numbers and the game plans and all that. And they were going over one of the teams in the division. I think he said they were doing the Angels today, but they've gone – uh, they're going through the division. Today was the Angels, an hour and a half of different scenarios, what you would do in the sixth inning, who you would bring in certain spot. I mean, they're going over offense, defense, pitching matchups, everything with every team in the division already. That's a good sign. Anytime you're doing scouting reports and trying to preview how you're going to match up with these guys, uh, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. So I'm hoping it's pointing all in the right direction, even though we keep reading that the financials are going to be the issue between owners and players. But I think that the Astros and Dusty are probably pretty excited just about the idea of getting back on the field. And if it does happen, guess what? You better damn well be prepared. And we know yeah. that the Astros are one of the one of the organizations that's at the absolute forefront of being able to go out there and anticipate opponents' moves and be prepared for every scenario. So I think that's a great thing. And, you know, I'm sure Dusty has been talking to his coaches and players and the front office for the last two or three months about these things. But now they've really had a chance to hopefully nail down a game plan and look forward to what they're going to be able to do. I think that's an exciting time. Yeah, yeah. And I think he's looking forward to, you know, different perspective. Every team he's been on, I'm sure – takes a different type of approach, but the Astros are certainly aggressive with the, with the numbers in, in sabermetrics and, and doing things that, uh, that give them percentage-wise the best chance to, to do the right thing during the course of a game to, to win more. So, and it's going to mean that much more if you're thinking about your playing roughly half of the games that you usually do. Every game means mm-hmm. twice as much. Yep, and this is going to be a unique season if and hopefully when it does get started. And we've got a question from Tom, and we were talking about pitchers. We were talking about the size of the roster expanding to potentially 30 players, which means there's going to be a lot more pitching on there. And I want to ask you, Sparky, put your manager hat on or your league hat on, and we Mm -hmm. know that there's already rule changes coming in as far as relief pitchers coming in, facing three batter minimums. 
But do you think that they will alter any of those numbers knowing that there's going to be that many more pitchers on the rosters, as in pitching changes or mound visits and stuff like that? No, I, I think they'll probably try to keep it as uniform as they have the, the last year or two as far as the, the mound visits, because I think going forward, uh, I thought those were put into place for good reason. You know, and I think it, I think it picked up the pace uh, just enough. I think if there are double headers to be played this year, I hope that they're two seven inning games like they do in the minor leagues. I think that makes sense on a given day, uh, especially because you're not having that full spring training. You you know as well as anybody, Jeff, that you know spring training is just like that base, that that foundation that you need to to be able to get your legs. As Dusty was talking about the soft tissue, you know the hamstrings mm-hmm. and, and the calves and the, the Achilles, all those things that you need to to strengthen up. You don't notice it on a day-to-day basis, but you need that buildup to, to give you strength to get through a season. So uh, to expect these guys to go out there and, and use those quick twitch muscles uh, right out of the bat, uh, then I, I think to, to play two sevens if you're playing double header situations and, and to limit, you know, maybe some of the, uh, some of your pitchers or to give uh, more roster spots to some more pitchers to, so you can uh, lessen the, the workload of all your pitchers. Do you think the uniqueness of this season and the DH being implemented on both sides uh, this season opens baseball up to possibly looking at some different alterations, the seven inning double headers, like you're talking about, do you think baseball is now opening itself up to more possible changes within the game to appeal to more fans? Yeah, I, I do. You know, it depends, you know, Dusty brings up a good point. He said, there's no hard deadline right now. So there's nothing really, you know, everybody's feeling each other out right now. And he's been through these types of negotiations since uh, 1971. You know, he's been through a ton of work stoppages. So a lot of people don't, you know, don't remember any of these for the last 25 years. And that's great. But, but right now, without a hard deadline, I don't think you're seeing everybody's best proposals or uh, <laughs> and nobody's really sure uh, what the, how serious the other, the other sides are. So uh, I think it's going to be the last thing talked about. So you got to keep it in your back pocket. You know, if, if the players want to introduce maybe adding two extra players onto a roster, you know, I think that there was already going to be uh, an extra player or two on the roster this year anyway, but whatever they can get thrown in there that they've talked about in years past, I think they would like to experiment this year to see, what it feels like uh, in an abbreviated season. Yeah, I agree. Because another thing that really kind of encouraged me in watching some of the golf over the weekend, NASCAR was going and things like that. But with golf getting the highest rated golf match they have ever had in that in that uh, sport on cable, but, but I'm hoping that, yeah. you know, that, that kind of sends up a warning flag for the, the, the community of baseball to understand this is a real opportunity to sell their sport again to fans that are out there that may not be baseball fans, because I really feel like golf did a good job bringing in Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, so they kind of cross-contaminated and got some NFL fans and PGA fans. But baseball being a game that is played every single day with some phenomenal athletes, this is where I think both sides eventually, when they do hammer this thing out, need to make this sport as appealing as they possibly can. And I think that's where it opens itself up to some possible changes in the game to kind of, you know, accrue maybe a a new fan of baseball. And I think getting out there as soon as possible is only going to help their case, don't you think? 
Yeah, you know, in, in, on, on your end, on, on the television side, Jeff, I, I always think about, you know, go to an NFL game and you'll see that camera that hovers above the field. And it, mm-hmm. I just keep wondering if there's going to be different creative ways to introduce different, different cameras that we haven't seen. I know they've done it in all-star games in the past where they put it on the bases or on the catcher's mask and things like that. But I'd like to see more. I, I want to see uh, creative ways. And what are we going to do with uh, noise? Is, is there going to be fake <laughs> noise? Be or is, are, are the players are going to be able to hear Todd Callis uh, out on the field? You know, there's, there's a lot of weird things that, that we're in store but uh, I want to see some creativity. I want to see some some funky stuff with camera angles. I agree. And I didn't have a chance to watch the NASCAR event, but I know in reading some of the articles that they said that they were going to fly some drones around. And I actually thought about that. What if there was an That's opportunity, right? Because uh-huh. there's no fans in the stands. You're not going to obstruct a view by having one of the, one or two or three of these drones flying around. But it would be kind of yeah, interesting no to me. Yeah, there's nobody in the way, no liability. So fl- st- float that thing around and maybe give a fan an idea of what it looks like in section 402 and then move down to section 127 and get a view from there for a little bit or something like that i don't know i mean but there is an opportunity to be extremely creative and make these broadcasts that much more interactive one of, yeah one of my favorite things uh in the all-star game was it last year or two years ago when they were talking to springer during during the inning uh when they when yeah. they get a chance to talk to some of the players during the course of the game and i, I think that that stuff is awesome you know, and it, you, you don't want to distract them, you know, get to a point where it gets to be too much of a comedy routine or anything like that. But if you can uh, give people a little bit more insight to, to what players are thinking or feeling or, or how they're reacting or talking to their teammates, I think that would be fun. Yeah, I agree with you because uh, that, that was a lot of the articles I've been reading on how to enhance some of these broadcasts. You know, spring training is a special time in the sense that fan availability is a little bit you know more conducive in spring because of the smaller facilities but for the time being there's not going to be fans in the stand so how do you create that interaction again and i know that the regular season is a little more intense but i'm with you in the sense that why couldn't we mic those guys up or give them maybe an inning or two to uh you know have that interviewer yeah that's that, that's the thing is, is you got to figure out who's Who's receptive to that type of idea? Is it somebody who's not in the game, you know, that you could just get a chance to talk to maybe uh, one of the other starting pitchers who's not playing that day to, to get their perspective on, on what things are like from time to time. So it's going to be hard to get access to a lot of the players pre and post anyway. So to be able to get a microphone on a guy from time to time might be pretty fun. It would be a lot of fun. And this has been a lot of fun hanging out with you again, Sparky. I know I can't wait too, to – uh, I can't wait to look down the uh, broadcast row and be able to see your smiling face calling some Astros game hope, games. Hopefully that happens sooner than later. Uh, but we're making the best of what we can right now. And uh, these Q&As have been great. Dusty Baker is phenomenal, obviously, with us. We look forward to more conversations with him. The Astros' uh, happy hours with the broadcast team are always entertaining. Uh, we get surprise guests every once in a while. We had Joe Smith on and Josh Reddick here recently. So it's been a lot of fun. It was great being on with you, Sparky. You got any parting shots before we take off and finish this thing off? Here's my parting shot. Dusty Baker, along with Glenn Burke with the Dodgers, way back when, were part of the first high five of all time. That's what spurred all those high fives. Not really sure if that's going to be dead or not. High five may be a thing of the past. Well, I tell you what, if he invented the high five, he's going to invent another way to celebrate winning (laughs) because that's what he came here to do. 
Great being on with you, Sparky. We always you appreciate do. having the manager of the Astros, Dusty Baker, on. That's going to do it for Astros Pod. See you later. Holy Toledo, what a finish. Whether it's at the ballpark or at home. That ball's smoked <laughs> to center field. That is gone. A go-ahead two-run home run for Correa. Justin Verlander, another exclamation point in a Hall of Fame career. Big moments can happen. Anywhere. Anywhere. Thanks to all the frontline workers. Thanks to those sacrificing now. Soon, we can cheer together. Together. Stay safe, Houston. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.